The problem is that cryptocurrencies are easy to create. And so people can create them, they can get some interest behind them, and they can promote them, and they can turn into a scam. They can be a scam. Some of these are large institutions that are behind these that are running the prices because they can control the market. And so something like that, I'm not interested in. I don't consider that worthy of investment money. I want to find the ones that are the future winners, that are the dominators in their industry, just like Google and Amazon are today. I want to find the reputable companies that have clarity, that have purpose, that have utility, that have function, and that are successful already because these are the early days of cryptocurrencies and digital assets. And if we can find those gems in these early days, then we're going to be finding the early Googles and early Amazons. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Free Retiree Show, your go-to podcast for your career and your finances. Welcome in, lovers of financial excellence. We have a great podcast for today. We have a return guest, one of my faves of all time, Linda P. Jones. Linda, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Lee. It's great to be back with you. Oh, man, it is an honor. Serge and Matt love you. They couldn't be here today. They're going to be jealous that I get the interview. But there's been so much talk in the crypto space, and it is so hard to find reputable people in this space. But you are definitely one of the best. You are one of the shining stars in the crypto space. And before we get into this podcast, nothing in this podcast is financial advice. I had to throw that disclosure out there. But when we talk about crypto, people don't understand the use cases that there are, the future of crypto. And today, I thought it would be a great episode to give everyone kind of a preview into what they can expect in crypto, what's going to look like in the future, and kind of make sense of all the craziness that everyone's kind of gone through in this last year. I mean, everyone heard about the FTX scandal and even Sergio, after that happens, I don't know about crypto. This is scary. I, I don't think it's going to survive. So just what's your thoughts on all those things, Linda? Okay, well, I'm so glad we're talking about it. And I'm so glad you brought up FTX because we have a lot to discuss here. First of all, we're talking about digital assets. All right, these are different. Not all assets are the same, just like not all technology stocks are the same. When we talk about Amazon and we talk about Google, people are familiar with those companies. So they know that Google means certain search and Amazon means store and shopping, right? But they don't know in the world of digital assets that one versus another are as different as Amazon and Google. And so that's part of the problem is you have 24,000 cryptocurrencies now that are lumped together as if they're all the same thing and do the same thing. And they don't, they definitely don't. So that's what I want to talk about. Maybe a couple of my favorite cryptocurrencies and why I like them so much as investment and why they're different from other cryptocurrencies. Because see, the problem is that cryptocurrencies are easy to create. And so people can create them, they can get some interest behind them, and they can promote them, and they can turn into a scam, they can be a scam. Mm this Pepe coin situation recently, we found out that BlackRock was actually the company behind Pepe that was making it go up 1500% or whatever the craziness was recently. Some of these are large institutions that are behind these that are running the prices because they can control the market. And so something like that, I'm not interested in. I don't consider that worthy of investment money. I want to find the ones that are the future winners, that are the dominators in their industry 
industry, just like Google and Amazon are today. I want to find the reputable companies that have clarity, that have purpose, that have utility, that have function, and that are successful already because these are the early days of cryptocurrencies and digital assets. And if we can find those gems in these early days, then we're going to be finding the early Googles and early Amazons, right? Exactly. And that's why we wanted to have you on the podcast. For the listeners that aren't aware of Linda's experience, spent a lot of time on Wall Street and in the financial industry. She is a top-ranked podcaster, I believe in 2019, above Dave Ramsey, which is insane. And I applaud you for that. I didn't even I know that about you. shot to prove it. <laughs> I know. I didn't even know that about you. I knew you were great, but then I looked at the rank. I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. You're quite a big deal. Number one investment business podcast in 2019. And you're reaching, what, 10 million downloads now? 10 million downloads, just about. Yeah. Amazing. And you wrote your book. Tell us about the book, though. I want to get into the book because it seems to be a great hit that everyone is getting right now. This one right here. Three Steps to Quantum Wealth, The Wealth Heiress's Guide to Financial Freedom by Investing in Cryptocurrencies. The reason I wanted to write that book, Lee, was because I had my first big investment success where I made multiple seven figures investing in the technology boom. So back in the late 90s, technology started to go crazy. We started to see new companies go public all the time. They would go public and go up hundreds of percent in one day. Anything with a .com at the end of their name was crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. AI is today. We're seeing NVIDIA jump 28% one day, right? Yes. We're seeing that AI be kind of like the dot-com. Anything that has to do with AI is a crazy, people can't wait to invest. Well, that's how the dot-coms were in the late 90s. And the prices were going crazy. They were going up like mad and hundreds of percent. I mean, it was absolutely unprecedented. We've never seen anything like that since or before. So what I learned was that this whole new technology was coming called the internet. And no one warned us that it was coming. No one really understood it. No one could explain it. Even Bill Gates, who had a very successful company even back then with Microsoft, didn't understand the internet. And in, in fact, he was famous for missing the internet as an investment and admitted he did, and then described the internet as the information superhighway. Well, that's not how we would describe the internet today, right? That's not really what it is, but that's how he described it back in the 90s. So there was a lot of confusion. People didn't know what it was. There was also a component that the media was very negative on the internet. So when the media would report about the internet, they would say things like, be careful, your credit cards are not secure. They will never be secure for commerce. It's for porn. The internet <laughs> is for criminals and crime, right? This is what they said. This yeah. is exactly what they were saying. It's <laughs> just like crypto. <laughs> it's just like crypto. We're going through the same thing again. And when I saw some of the similarities, I said, oh, I have to write a book about this because what we're going through will end up being the best investment opportunity of this generation, just like it was back then. And the opportunities for wealth building, I think, will be better than we've ever seen before. But we have been through a very similar thing where we had a life-changing technology technology coming through the funnel, if you will. There were lots of companies that had already invested in it. Venture capitalists knew it was coming. They had already invested in it, but nobody told the retail investor. Not until about 1998 or 1999. I mean, it was at the very end of the whole boom. And I worked for a large Wall Street firm, and that was when Wall Street came out with their technology funds finally offered to the public where they could invest in 
a portfolio of technology companies. And the first year it was out, it went up like 70%. Or no, it went up 100%. The first year it went up. And then we had the peak in March of 2000, the peak of the technology boom. And then mm -hmm. it dropped by 70% after for the next two years. Total 70% it was down. So we had this crazy run up, but they didn't let retail invest until the very end. Before retail, the institutional investors were in, the angel investors were in, the venture capitalists were in, a lot of the very accredited investors, hedge funds, a lot of the very elite investors were already invested in the technology and they were able to create millions of dollars for themselves. Now me, I could do it just because I was concentrated in some technology stocks that happened to do very well and happened to be the leaders. So I happened to have a lot of financial success in certain technology stocks because I got concentrated in a few technology stocks and that's how I did it. How long Linda, did that take when you got the stock? How long did you have to hold on to it before you really saw the benefit? It took a few years for it to really play itself out. I started investing in individual stocks more around 1993. And then as I saw technology stocks start to happen, AOL and Yahoo and some that are not really big now, but they had huge run-ups back in the day. And they compounded at incredibly high rates. I mean, some of these were growing at 100% a year. And so it's not difficult to grow money if you're compounding at crazy rates like that. Not unlike what crypto, I mean, that's conservative for crypto. A lot of crypto performance, real performance past history already has been bigger than that. So again, a lot of comparisons from today to where we were back in the original craze. Absolutely. When we think about the crypto that's done really well, I mean, everyone thinks of like Bitcoin. Do you see Bitcoin success continuing and being the flagship? Or do you see that potentially some other one, we don't know, right? It's very tough to tell which altcoin will reign supreme. But how do you see that playing out the, where Bitcoin is now and with these altcoins that are coming up? Do you see that uh, dynamic changing in the future? Yes. So Bitcoin is the original. It mm -hmm. was the first, right? But the first isn't always the most successful. And this is a debate because there's a lot of people who are very positive on Bitcoin. And then there's people who don't like Bitcoin. I'm not particularly a fan of Bitcoin, but I can understand the people who have invested in it and some have had tremendous financial success and good for them. Personally, I can't invest in something that I don't know who the creator was. And that to me disqualifies Bitcoin as an investment because I'm a little bit, in spite of what I just said about my crazy tech investing back in the day, I am actually more conservative <laughs> than that. That was something that was a special situation, a special opportunity that I took advantage of. But that's not the normal way that I invest. I'm a very traditional investor. I'm very long-term buy and hold. I like to buy early and buy the winners and the leaders and hold on to them for a long time. And so Bitcoin, while it is the original, because I don't know who Satoshi Nakamoto really is, and I don't actually believe that's who it was. Homeland Security has actually said that there were four inventors of Bitcoin and that they went to California and met with them. This is something that Bitcoin people don't like to acknowledge or talk about, but that's true. And so the thing about Bitcoin is it was the original. It has had tremendous investment performance in fast. In fact, it's the best performing asset ever in history of any asset in any asset class. It has grown the fastest and grown the most. And 
it also has a limited amount. So it's basically growing because of scarcity. It's growing because of scarcity. And so people hold it. They've made some attempts to try to make it more functional, but it doesn't function well as money because in my opinion, it's too expensive. It's too slow to move. It's not really as scalable. What it is, is a scarce asset that people can hold and it can continue to appreciate. And for people who want to do that, there are many people who invest in Bitcoin and want to do that. I am just not one of them. I would rather have utility. So what I mean by that is I would rather invest in a technology that is going to be low cost, high speed, scalable, and who I know who created it. Okay. And that's why my number one technology company that I wrote about in my book, the company is called Ripple and they have a technology that is their native token is called XRP. And what it does is it can be a neutral bridge currency. So you see right now, if a bank wants to convert money from dollars to yen, or from dollars to pounds or pesos, they have to keep the actual foreign money on hand in case somebody wants to convert into foreign dollars. And what that does is it blogs up the banking system by about $27 trillion of stagnant money that is there just in case somebody wants to convert it to another currency. So there's $27 trillion the banking industry cannot use because it has to sit there in foreign currency. What XRP can do is it can act as a new neutral bridge. So if you want to go from dollars to yen, you can go from dollars to XRP to yen within three seconds at a cost of less than a penny. And you can do thousands of transactions per second. And so it's very scalable. It's something that could convert funds and you don't have to keep any of the other currency on hand because you're using the neutral bridge asset. So it frees up $27 trillion in the banking system. It makes money move faster than it can in the banking system now, because now if you want to wire funds, it can take one to three or even five days to move money in a bank. Oh, yeah. Very well, expensive. Oh, yeah. You're in the industry. I'm currently in the industry. I know the headaches of trying to transfer. It seems easy. And everyone's like, just do it. It's like, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> and that's because it uses the SWIFT system, which is software that was created back in 1960-ish. Well, mm -hmm. software wasn't very advanced back in the 1960s. This is old technology that we can improve mm. upon. And so what we're talking about, Lee, is being able to move money like an email or move money in a digital format. So we're digitizing money. That's the future of the internet and the internet of value is to be able to digitize money and move it nearly instantaneously for a fraction of the cost that you can today. So to me, that says there's utility. There's a real use. There are banks that have signed up to use this. There's hundreds of banks who have mm -hmm. signed up to use this. There's a blockchain that this runs on. So we have a record of the transactions that are accurate. And SWIFT has a, an error rate of about 5%. And the Ripple XRP ledger, as it's called the decentralized ledger, has never had an error. So it has perfect performance. It's improved over Swift. And when you're running billions and trillions of dollars, 5% is a huge number to have in uh, error. Absolutely. That's fascinating. Since we're on this topic of exchanging in money, most people would say whopping 80% are only familiar with the fact that it's worth something and you can trade it for a higher dollar amount. The masses aren't really familiar with the future of crypto and what it can be used for. Can you give us a little insight into the future of what crypto can be used for in everyday yeah. use cases. Absolutely. So if we're talking about digitizing assets, there's a term called 
tokenizing. And that means that for any kind of asset, you'll be able to divide it into slices and basically tokenize it. So let's say that right now you have a real estate apartment building. Well, you have one deed and it makes it difficult for people to invest in that unless you create some sort of outside partnership and get a group of people together. And then maybe they can raise the funds to buy that apartment building, right? In the future, if that were tokenized, you might be able to sell pieces of that apartment to different investors. So that would allow it to make it easier to fund uh, the apartment. It would make it easier to sell shares in it. It would make it easier to raise capital, right? Uh, that's one example of digitizing assets in the future and how it's going to change things. Another example are called smart contracts. So today, if you go to buy a house, the stack of paperwork that you have to sign is about an inch tall, right? If you refinance your house, it's about a half an inch tall. In paperwork, <laughs> right? It's still highly paper, right? It's crazy that in this day and age of the internet and computers and everything, we're still using paper. But in the future, you'll be able to buy a house and it will check the title and it will check the financing or the inspection report or all the different things that go into buying a home. You'll be able to set up parameters to see when each one of those are satisfied. And automatically, as each one of those are satisfied, then the contract can move along digitally and by using smart contracts can basically close the transaction and do everything in an automated way. So you don't have to sign all this paperwork, go through all these checkpoints, and it can be automated. And you can do that with what's called a smart contract, where it sets up a condition. And so you meet that condition for checking the title report, or the title report checks out. Okay, then we move on to the next step. The inspection, all right, the inspection checks out. Move on to the next thing, the appraisal, the appraisal checks out. And so you can go through each phase and a smart contract can automate the whole thing. And then the title can be stored on the blockchain. So again, you've got a digital title that's stored, recorded. Nobody else can record the same title because the blockchain only allows for original, uh, the original circumstances. So it prevents people from copying or duplicating and you have a clean record. So exciting. Yes, absolutely. And I know there's a bunch of other use cases in terms of like huh. NFTs, like for art. Artwork or music. The NFT can basically be behind the original work of art. And it's going to allow artists to actually control their own music. Because right now they have to sell their music to a music company who markets it for them and then gives them a percentage. Well, in the future, they can own their own artwork or their own music and sell it direct to people. And then they can earn all the funds from that. So it really can change the music industry and the art industry are two examples. And then there's one other one that really stuck out to me was health records. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one. I heard that you can, it'll be easier for you to tr transfer health records cross-border. Yeah. So you probably would have that in your own, in your own wallet and you'd be able to send it to whatever doctor you're working with. And uh, yeah, yeah again, so. we're just talking about digitizing things that are heavily paper oriented today. Exactly. Exactly. So this last year has been a rough patch for crypto. A lot of people have lost faith in it, although it does seem to have stabilized the bleeding from the FTX scandal is starting to subside. But what do you see as the future challenges that we're going to have? I mean, I feel like ever since 2000, I've been in this space for quite some time, but there's always been a challenge, right? Generally, it's federal regulation. It could be scams. What do you see in the future as the next big challenges for crypto? Well, you're right. FTX was difficult because that was the Bernie Madoff of crypto. So 
Sam Bacon Freed basically was a, a bad actor in the space. He raised money and used it for nefarious purposes, didn't do with it what he said he was doing, didn't really use it for the hedge fund trading that he said with Alameda Research. The whole group was basically not legitimate. It's unfortunate, but it was a Bernie Madoff type situation where it was a specific case and a specific person and group. And so it's terrible because it clouded the whole industry and it clouded a lot of great companies that are out there having success and doing legitimate work. But beyond FTX, I think that we're going to see just so many things. I mean, we're going to see, for example, this whole banking thing that I've described. We're going to see right now we have the BRICS nations that we're hearing about that are forming because they're not happy that the dollar is centralized and controls a lot of countries, essentially, because it's the world's reserve currency. And so everybody has to convert to the dollar and it's king dollar. But the BRICS nations, have teamed up with some other countries and are trying to go their own way and trade amongst each other without having to use the dollar, particularly for oil, which was always the petrodollar for oil. And so what we're seeing is kind of a desire to decentralize. Right now, the dollar is very centralized and very much in control. In the future, where people want to go is have a more level playing field and have it decentralized so that nobody is in control. Nobody can use their currency as a weapon or as a way to control a market or have anyone else at a disadvantage. So I think each country is going to have their own central bank digital currency. So they're going to digitize their money. And then that money is going to be able to be used in country. I mean, we already use digital money in a way. We have PayPal or Venmo or Zelle. There's different forms of digital money that you can move, but those aren't 100% really digital. And so we're going to move to a central bank digital currency that would allow them to be fully digital. The thing that people worry about is, well, is this going to be like China and the CCP where they're going to try and control us with, with having our money be digital? But I think if we get a digital bill of rights that Congress is talking about, making sure our freedoms and our rights are also lo made law in the digital perspective, that will protect us from that happening. And we'll be able to um, enjoy the same freedoms that we do with paper money with digital money. Wonderful. So besides your book, you do have some training. How can people get access to like your training, your advice in terms of figuring out this space? Well, the Be Wealthy and Smart podcast is three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Apple Podcasts and wherever podcasts can be found. My website is lindapjones.com and my programs are on there as well as my podcast. My books are on there as well and they can also be found at Amazon. And also I do a little bit of a post each day on Instagram. So you can go to instagram.com forward slash Linda P. Jones and get a little bit of well tips on Instagram as well. Yes. And listeners, I don't listen to many podcasts, but Linda is on the top of my podcast list. So I always check her out. But thank you so much for coming back on. Linda, I know you've been on a lot of great episodes of other podcasts, but you are one of our only two time guests on the Free Retiree Show. That's how much we love you. So add that to your list of awards right under the number one ranked podcast for business and finance. I know it's comparable. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And I hope we will have you back on again in the near future when we need to figure stuff out in this wild west of crypto. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, folks, you've been listening to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated. Member FINRA, www.finra.org. SIPC, www.sipc.org. A separate entity. 
Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Facebook, Inc. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and Company.